Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you know you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, but you can watch us too. We are on your computer or even your mobile device. You just take your browser over to supertalktv.com. And today we're going to dive into a little bit of farming, the good kind, right? Like the green kind, growing the green things. And joining me today is Mr. Tamu Green. That's his last name. Yep. <laughs> I feel like God knew what he was doing with you, Tamu. He is the founder of SR1 Agriculture and Food Science Department, and they are up to some really good things. So welcome. Thank you so much. I love this. I'm putting on my health hat, and I think this is just really cool. Anytime we can get students or the community sort of interested in where their food comes from or just learning more about or connecting the dots, and you're kind of doing all of that. So let's start from the beginning, Tamu. What inspired you to create this food and science department? Well, actually, SR1, we have a mission, and it's three things that we deal with with SR1. So the three things we deal with is uh, disparities in health, education, and technology. Now, let's get to health. What better ways to dispel disparities in health than from going from soil to the table? So in Mississippi here, we have so many disparities uh, and health problems. You know, we have diabetes, we have this and that. Heart disease. So heart yeah. disease, yes, all the great things. So <laughs> great. Right. Good old things that just so, plague us sick. Yeah. Um, what we want to do is do preventive measures, yeah. meaning we're very reactive, meaning, you know, sometimes we wait till things happen, then we're like, man, what do we do now, you know? So this is a great preventive measure, meaning we decide to, hey, let's start an ag and food science department w- within SR1, and let's see how we can eliminate some of these disparities in health. So that's where we got started. So we said, hey, the best thing to do, like everyone tell you when you go to the doctor, hey, you need to have this type of diet, that type of diet. So it's really a preventive measure that we want to take, and that's why we decided to start it. Did you have a agricultural background? Had you farming Zero. growing up? None. No background in agriculture at all. But guess what? I went to a great school called Mississippi State University. Uh, I got several degrees from there, and I never even thought about ag that way. I'm a technology person, matter of fact. But one of the key things that we saw again, and we work with Mississippi State very closely, is like, okay, how can we prevent these health measures? But I will say this, once I got through with school, I worked at the Mississippi State Department of Health for many years. So you get a chance to see all the stats and all the, the things unfortunate that numbers. Right, yeah. the unfortunate numbers. You know, unfortunately, we lead on a lot of things that are negative numbers. So that's my background. So through a lot of research and through a lot of just collaborating with different people, that's how we decided to start and we got the Ag and Food Science Department started. 
Okay, so you you are located where? Forest, Mississippi? Okay, so actually SR1 is located in Ridgeland, Mississippi. But we got two land areas for our agriculture department. We have an area there in Forest, Mississippi, and we have an area there in uh, Madison County. So we really got started with the area there in Forest, Mississippi. We cleared off the land. We we try to do some conservation-type methods, meaning we try to do the no-till method. We did some tarping methods. So to answer your question, we got started there in Forest, Mississippi with a mini-plot. What we mean is it's not like 200 acres. That's five right. acres. And we got started there. Well, from what I've learned to move five acres, you can, if when done right or managed well or sort of done intentionally, you can produce a whole lot of food in five acres. Well, I think that's the key part from reading and that's from research. And then once you got there, you realize how big it is. Like, wait a minute, this is a lot. So we did several 60 by 100 plots, and you can fit a lot of 60 by 100 plots in that. And what you're saying is, is correct. Um, you can produce a lot. And you can make sure that it's very... Um, health conscious, meaning we did not use a lot of, well, actually we didn't use any. We did it organic as possible. So we used, yeah. you know, from water, we didn't use our, we didn't use no pesticide or any type of strong chemicals. And so even that's using the land and the plotting, meaning we tarp it, which means it kills all the weeds, it kills all the grass, so you don't have to worry about spraying it. And we did it that method. And it worked out quite well, but you're right. You can do sometimes more with less. So when you're thinking about, okay, you're, you're going, you got your plots, and now we have to think about, well, what are we going to plant? Right. I know, did you go to your last name for this? We're going to plant something green. <laughs> or, or was it just like, or did you use the resources? I know there at, at Mississippi State, you can have your soil tested and sort of feel like what's going to do best, or, or did you just know, we're going to do collard greens? Actually, we did not know that. What we did was we did some research. Okay, we said, okay, of course we're in the South. What do people like to eat? Then we looked at it, okay, now what's healthy? And then based on research, we talked to some professors. We talked to uh, Dr. Davis there. He wrote an interesting book called Collins. And the strange thing about from doing the research, which I didn't even realize, that college is very rich in a lot mm-hmm. of vitamins. Absolutely. So you have, you know, from vitamin C, just as much as in orange juice, from K to all kind of vitamins. So we're like, wait a minute. And I, we didn't realize that part. So once we did the research, and then we saw a study, and then we saw that it's a favorite and it's growing year-round, meaning they like the cold weather. So, like, wait a minute, if it's a favorite, then it's healthy for you. Why not grow collards? So that's why that's what we started with. Next to spinach, you look at it, collards probably is the second most nutritional type of green and that you can And sadly, grow. even everyone listening is going, yes, I am getting all my <laughs> nutrition. We boil the majesus out of it usually here right. in the South and then add in unfortunate things that don't counteract all of it. You still get a lot of the nutrients, but there are other healthier ways to prepare and consume your collards. What you're saying is yeah. exactly right. <laughs> and, and that is why that we decided to do that. Um, sort of table concept. Yeah. So we did have another portion with it saying, okay, here's how to properly prepare it. It's like you're saying, sometimes we can make a salad even bad. You can make any good thing, too much of a good thing sometimes can be mm-hmm. bad. So what you're saying is so correct. So that's why we only, we did grow it, but then we did have some 
people to come in and say, okay, now here's the proper way and proper things to add, and here's be a good portion for you to have. Chef Nick Wallace, who is known across the state and represents Mississippi so well, brought my world one time to me. He took fresh collards. He cut out the stem. He rolled them up like kind of like a you would a cigar or cigarette, you know, kind of roll it. Right. And then chopped it real finely and then put a little bit of olive oil and probably some spices, I can't remember, and sauteed it down. Right. And then I was like, where have you been right. all my life? <laughs> um, that's probably one of the best ways and it surprised me how quick and then how delicious, you know, th- that that was. When did y'all grow your first plot of collard greens? Uh, actually, we, okay, it's 2020. Actually, we did in 2022. We grew our, I would say, our first successful. successful. Ah, actually, yeah. we started in 2021. We had to make sure we did like a test plot to make sure the soil was correct and things like that. But first successful 2022. And I'm glad you mentioned that great chef. Nick Watts is a very good uh, chef, great chef. He even came by and talked to our students. Aww. He even did a demonstration about cooking. So what you're saying is correct. He's a great person. And so our goal, this last year, we gave away 500 pounds of collard. So once we got it right, got our technique down, and we grew a variety of them. I don't think people realize. I thought collars were collars at first. Yeah. But no, it really not, is yeah. different types. And the reason is it's great to grow different types because based on the weather, the soil, and the climate conditions. So we grew our first successful, uh, I would say, this 2022. And we want to grow on that. Uh, we got 500 pounds that we was able to donate to the community. And this next year, our goal is to reach 1,000. Now, we we were hoping to get around 750. We were Past I go, but man, that winter, winter weather that we Snap, had yeah. came through, and she was a beast. Right, collars are great for the weather, but that was just a little bit too much for them because <laughs> yeah, anything's too. <laughs> get cold enough, everything dies. Right, that's yeah. correct. So yeah, because yeah. the strange thing about collars is a weird fact I didn't realize. Collars have a protective system that they can turn that starch into a type of sugar once the weather hits cold. So that's why that old myth comes. So like, hey, once that, you know, we call it cold snap here. Once that cold weather hits, they get even sweeter, which is true because they have a protective mechanism. But that was too many days back to back. So they can take a couple of days of frost, but that was too many. But yeah, isn't Mother Nature phenomenal? Yeah, it is. And no, and, and when and when you start to learn about your fruits and vegetables or things like that, to me, I feel like you take more interest or pride in understanding why they're so good for you. I That's mean, when correct. you take time to sort of understand what those foods that everyone tells you you should be eating can uh, provide you, I, I I still stand by. I don't see how folks just can't get it. It's not, I mean, I know excited is kind of like a overstatement, um, but still appreciate, maybe right. is the word, that what fresh foods can do uh, when added into your diet, which is exactly what you're trying to do. Do you know how many families the 500, 500 pounds fed or how many you gave away? Well, actually, we, I think our numbers were like around 70 different types of families. You know, That's awesome. Right. So. And you want to make it grow. And we're going to exactly. grow this conversation into the next segment with Tamu Green. He is the founder of SR1 Agriculture and Food Science Department. Coming up next.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Pick me up, love. Pick me up, love. Every day. forget you can listen to good things we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm and of course you can always find us on your local supertalk mississippi radio station and local i think a lot of folks are getting more connected to their local farmers wondering where their food comes from wanting to support that and i think tamu green who's joining us is right on track with that he is the founder of the sr1 agriculture and food science department you guys gave over 500 pounds of collard greens last year which i think is great and you decide you want to do more this year, but you didn't do that alone. So oh, who's, who's helping to move, get all of these collard greens out to, out to ground? Well, actually, we have a very good team there at SR1. So actually, we have some people who are non-farmers, but they went out there and as we started growing some of the collard greens indoors first. So we did like, we grew, we did a test plot. We grew some indoors and some that we grew direct seeding. But the team there at SR1, and then we had uh, Mississippi State University, some of their personnel helped us, some people from uh, USDA helped us. So that it was just a, a multitude, a great team came together and said, and and you can't be great in everything sometimes. No, yeah. So at first we said, okay, what's the best thing to pick? So we picked collard greens out that way. But it's so many people I can name. Dr. Cindy Ayers, Elliot, she's there. and Rock star. We, right. We went and visit her, like you said. and Footprint from Farms. Footprint Farms there. Farmer, right. Yeah. It's super. And uh, from Nick Wallace, like I said, we talked to him about the preparing. So it's just a multitude of people who help us out with that. Yeah. So, okay. So you have the research part of it. And I'm hearing your technology brain because, to me, you didn't have, like, the agriculture background. You are speaking kind of like a research nerd, you know, like, right. and how. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's going to take projects and practices like this to advance, you know, other people's ideas or interest in uh, farming five acres versus Mm -hmm. 5,000 or whatever it may be. Is there something specific right now y'all are researching? Is there like a specific method or seed or whatever? Or is it more of can this work and bridge the gap within the community? I would say all of those. Ah! So what you're saying is, is exactly right. Because it's like we grew the uh, various variety of college things there. So we're trying to see, okay, which seeds work best here? And we are we strong researchers. I guess you say, look, I turn to an ag nerd because I like to research and read everything. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. But one of the key things you, when you read about it, we have unique circumstances here. So some of the things they say that you can do, we have extra humidity here. We have extra a different type of soil here. So you have to kind of tailor it to say, okay, what will work here the best? So that's why we we grew so many varieties to see, okay, which one grows best here year-round. Um, one thing we see now, that okay, now can we grow it in a greenhouse? Uh, we still touched on hydroponics a little bit. Which is super interesting, no that's dirt. That's it, right. That's like mine, but <laughs> space stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And one of the key things they mentioned about hydroponics, like, okay, it, can, it only can grow like, greens or vegetables we like that's perfect so but no one has truly tested can it grow the you know some of the all the foods yet if you're familiar salad days is rocking hydroponics they in really lettuce and is it tomatoes correct and they're they're right up the road at least in central mississippi you may have had it on a salad or on a burger or something there's they they ship statewide in terms of their their produce but it's phenomenal it is yeah, yeah. and i think that is the future also you know you hear about vertical farming so really the great thing about that, you can grow a lot in a small space. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying. A lot of time, 
if you look, you study the history of ag, it used to be get big or get out. That was kind of like the saying. So it was a thought process that you had to have huge acres of land to, in order to grow something. But the movement is movement toward that. Guess what? You can grow a lot in a small plot. And you also can get it to your local restaurants or get to your local stores also. And so even hydroponics is moving toward that. that, Now, don't get me wrong. There are some really big places that have hydroponics, but you can grow it in the city. You can grow in a smaller area. You can grow a lot. So it is a movement of how do you do more with less. Uh, I should say, how do you grow more with less space? So that is the beauty of the movement and it's going toward that. It's not a lot of specialty here, but yet. it's yet. That's it. Well, I think here in Mississippi, we are we have the good fortune, which can also be, you know, keep us from thinking of other ways of, you know, we have our fertile grounds. So we right. all are just used to being able to do a traditional kind of agriculture or gardens or whatever it may be, um, because we can, right? right? And so it's just about encouraging those that may not have grown up that way or now live in the traditional like for well i guess i I guess i wouldn't be a great example but if you if you move from like where i grew up and you had a great garden and then you move to a smaller neighborhood you may miss that and then figure out a way that you can still create that in your backyard or through some of the new home things you don't need the five acres anymore That's for every correct. for to sort of have that home garden, and two, it helps bridge the gap. I know part of this is is for disparities. You know, I've said often. I don't know if the statistics the same, but it used to be that the average Mississippian lived twenty seven miles from a grocery store. Correct. So when you when you think about that, and then you factor in transportation, then that becomes a real sort of issue. So. I mean, having the connection to to farmers or growers in your community is huge. Right. And, I mean, what you're saying is correct. All those things right there. um, Man, where do you even start? First of all, like you said, to helping the farmers out. Because you have to bridge a connection letting farmers know farmers is a dying they are the the profession. profession. I mean, well, it's because yeah. the younger generation, or enough of the younger generation, hasn't caught on to that farming can still be sexy. Meaning, That's you're it. bringing in like the technology and the STEM and sort of all of this. And I think Mississippi State's doing a great job too with a lot of their uh, outreach to try to get young minds to think it's not. The same. I mean, there's still some of the same dirty work, and that's right. still, to me, a, a very viable sort of way too. But it's changing if you want to. Like if right. you want to create something new, it doesn't look like it used to. That's so correct. And look, you asked me about the people who helped out, and I was kind of afraid because I get in trouble because you know you start naming like they forgot about <laughs> me. But even Alcorn State University, you know, they yeah. are a strong agriculture department. Um, we talked to some great people there. And like I said, we try to show people, too, because we have a beginner farmers program. So on our beginner farmers program, we try to show, okay, if you're trying to get into farming, here's the different techniques that you can learn. How Here's how you can bridge that gap of growing something and getting to stores. Because it is paperwork. It is some type of procurement type steps you have to take. And we you try want to, to become like gap. a legit farmer. That's it. Or like right. one that can sell. And what we say sometimes is different between gardening and farming. And sometimes you say, what's the difference? And I know they're, all, they're very, very similar, but sometimes we use the term a farmer is someone who's trying to do it for profit. 
or you're trying to do it to make a living. And so many times, you know, it's good to have it where you have it. You, you might give it to your neighbors or something like that. But it's a difference when you're trying to farm for profit or to make a living. And so we're trying to show some farmers, okay, uh, here's how you can farm and make a living out of it. And so that's one of the key steps. And it does help. It helps a host in Mississippi if we do create more farmers like that. Because guess what? The food does not have to travel so far, which means, guess what? It keeps those minerals and vitamins in it. It's something where you have to ship something from another country or state. And there is something yeah. about just going into your local grocery. And I know there's a lot of um, programs and projects that are really trying to get uh, made in Mississippi or genuine Mississippi or grown in Mississippi in more of our bigger box stores. And so that's exciting to see. You gravitate towards it. Like, you know, right. it's like you're even if if it's your neighbor, you know, that's a couple hours away from a different part of the state that's still significantly closer than, you know, 3000 miles away right. or another country sort of away. And there's there is. You, there's this weird connection to That's so it, true. right? Yeah. I mean, just with a stupid sticker, but right. <laughs> and, it, and another SR one. If you know about us, we um, we're real big on STEM, and STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So most times, when someone think of STEM, we think of the rockets and we think of technology. And true enough, that is it. But another thing we thought about: what better way to teach STEM than ag? Agriculture has all the STEM components now. It has the science. It has the technology. It has the engineering. It has the math. So it's a perfect teaching tool that we use also for students from K through 12 to teach their points. So we're really excited. So it's always something to research. Science and ag has a long way to go. It's still a lot of unknowns involved also. And a lot of uh, innovation that can still be done. And I right. think, you know, uh, and but still bridging the, the wiser minds or the seasoned minds with sort of the newer, because one one reason I haven't delved into like just flower growing like my mother-in-law has or garden mama has is because, Lord Jesus, I feel like it's decades of knowledge. I'm just too far removed from right. um, from knowing seeds and where to plant. I mean, there is so much uh, that so many learned literally in a lifetime by watching and learning in the field or, you know, in the pots, so to speak, uh, that it feels like it's intimidating. Right. It does. Um, one thing we talk about, uh, I guess in the world, they call it knowledge management. But the key part of agriculture, I think, is getting that knowledge management and keeping those old um, knowledge and moving on and Adding the technology to it. Well, we're yep. going to keep adding to this conversation. we got a little bit more with Tamu Green coming up next. that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. 
You can watch good things. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com or you can chime in on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 if we encourage you to have some greens for supper tonight like we have Jeff in Oxford. If you're just tuning in, we'll tell you why. We've got Tamu Green here. He is the founder of SR1 Agriculture and Food Science Department. They are growing organic collard greens and they're giving back to the community. They're researching the different ways and it's all around to me cool and innovative and it's definitely a good thing. So let's talk about how you're going to grow SR1. So how y'all been in business or you're a nonprofit for two years now, but one year successfully in your growth. How long have you been around? So actually SR1, the organization has been around since 2007 and then 2011. We did, you know, most people know us from educational area. And so, but the agriculture and food science department has started for two years now. So that's the new department that we started. And I, and I forgot to mention Dr. Jasmine Hendricks. She's the person. She was she was a food scientist there at Mississippi State. So we told her, you know, we hey, come down and help us get this started. So she helped us get this started. Uh, Dr. Sequoia White there in the food safety park. And once you grow, you want to be safe with it. Because your point is not just for home consumption or home growing, although that's great. Right. Your sort of mission is to hope to inspire and cultivate. Farmers for profit. That's that's correct. Small local farmers for right. profit, and get more people back into uh, farming on a smaller scale. So, what they call it, specialty crops. We don't have a lot of specialty crops here. Meaning, those are the greens and the tomatoes and things like that. So, we really want people to get back into farming, and especially the specialty crop. You know, so we can have, like you like you mentioned before. So, the shipment want to be so far, so right. we can supply stores and. It keeps all the great nutrients and things like that. So that's correct. Well, too, economic development and opportunity, and then we all have to eat. Right. (laughs) So, And and I would say, you know, because there is this mindset to move that to be a farmer, and I have to have massive acres, I have to have all this huge equipment, it's a huge investment. If I didn't get passed down to me, I've missed the boat. Right. And the truth is, like, no, there's a whole other avenue of, of being a farmer. Right. And you mentioned that part. We work with some other, like Johnny Seeds. They're very good at making different products that's for a small scale, meaning you don't have to have this $100,000 tractor. Even if you have just a a seed or a a basic type of plot that you can even farm at a scale that you still can provide. So we try to show that you can be at different levels of farming and still be successful. So if someone's interested in that, I mean, is there, you mentioned you have your beginner farmer classes. Like, how do they get connected with what you're doing? Obviously, just call us, you know, and we're looking for great volunteers or anyone who has their expertise and just call us uh, uh, our website, SR1, SR, the number one, ag.org. Look us up, call us, email us, and we'll be happy to help out any way that we can. Because, again, I feel like if you've got – it could even be like a good side hustle. I mean, you wouldn't have to be a full-time necessary farmer, but it could be something that could grow into ah, – pun intended – into right. you know, <laughs> into something great, particularly if you get connected with the right, uh, you, you know, people that can help you. you got to have a – you have to have someone who will buy it. Right. And I think that's also yes. a lot of things that will deter people from wanting to take the next level. But, right. okay, so your college, you're not selling those. You're giving those away. Right, we gave those away. Now, eventually, we might want to do that for that – Donation for to help out, but we just gave that away because we were learning the process ourselves. We want to see how it works, so we piled that program and, and gave it away. But as you mentioned before, too, is so many great resources out there that we're still learning about, and we want to pass it on to the community. When I say resources, resources for beginner farmers, you have USDA got some great programs out there, and so we try to be that 
conduit that kind of turned that language into simple language to let them know, okay, here's what they're saying, here's what's out there, and that's what we're trying to do. Going back to the research or just sort of the development part, you were talking about hydroponics. So you you mentioned you have like a small thing, then you move people up to a bigger one, and then a bigger one, or are you all just starting with a sort of small desktop hydroponics something another kit? I'll be honest with you. We always start off small and kind of enlarged. So we learn it ourselves. So, again, we don't know it all. So, to be honest with you, we saw just with a desktop type of hydroponics. I think that's cool. Kids right. would love that. Yeah. And we grew a certain type of tomatoes, and it's just neat to see it grow. And then we started with the one that you can put in the corner. So you, you have a type of hydroponic system that you can put in the corner of your house. It's standing about six or seven feet tall, but it's neat to see things grow. It's so fresh. And it's very neat. So then our next step, we want to get that down pat and make sure that we go to our next level, which is it's all kind of systems you can grow inside a greenhouse. Now, we learn about that part. We don't have that part, but you can grow inside of a building and have a hydroponic system that grow a scale because it's if anyone doesn't know, it's so neat to see. That's when it does. You don't need the soil. It can grow year round. It's various nutrients you can have. I've seen people use everything from put different nutrients in water. I've seen people use fish. Yeah, Larry and Jackson text yeah. in. He said, I know folks that grow tomatoes through gravel that filters fish water. I'm yeah. like, it sounds, you know, like Space Cadet, but, I mean, it's it's innovative. It's what it we is. do. We figure it out. Right. And there's an ecosystem to it all, and there's different ways you can sort of, uh, you can you can definitely put that together. That's it, yeah. So what's next? What's in the ground? Is there anything in the ground right now? Have you all right harvested it all? Like, right. Where are we at? It's nothing in the ground right now. We're going to, like I said, the cold weather got us because what we thought, if you know, and we're, we're growing on based on people, what they like to eat and tradition. In the South, you don't know, we're very superstitious about some things. So it's always saying that you have greens at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and you have that for the money. And you used to eat like black eyed peas or certain crops that used to stand for coins. And that means you eat that for New Year and you have good luck throughout the year. Right. So the plan was to keep giving out, but it kind of got wiped out. It did get wiped out. So what we're doing now is tarping, meaning we're preparing the ground and the soil again that we can grow against. Starting, we're making our plans out. So we got a month off, basically, and we got to get started growing back uh, in the upcoming weeks. Will it be? It will still be. Greens? I'm sorry. Yes, it still be collard yeah, greens, and we're probably going to branch out a little bit further to cabbage. Cabbage grew quite well; that was popular. And we're going to. And it's time. Time to get start to get started on tomatoes. Meaning, sometimes we get started growing inside. A little bit too cold for them now, but you can get started inside growing and then move it outside. So we start with soil blocks and move it outside. Again, we're learning. We want to grow pumpkins this year a little bit. We know that's a favorite among um, various groups here in Mississippi, and so we want to grow pumpkins. and Pie pumpkins or carving pumpkins? That's my extent. I was like, that's my extent of knowing pumpkins. <laughs> Actually, we did not realize, again, what you're saying is so right. I mean, you have porcelain dolls. You have this and that. So you have some that you can eat, some just for decoration, some for oh. food. We heard some people say, hey, you can grow squash to look like that. And so it's so much out there that we do want to grow, but we said, hey, we don't have the expertise yet. Let's start with just collars first because they're most nutritional. Let's go to cabbage, and then we're going to try to do pumpkin. So can we work with K-12 through students a lot? So we want to grow pumpkin so we can give it away and give it to community just for decoration and I things like that. i tell you what. If my fifth grader came home with a tabletop hydroponic system, she yeah. would be over <laughs> the moon. Right. I mean, she even – and most kids, I think, have come home with a little styrofoam cup, and they try to right. grow grass or, you know, or whatever. So – the kids will gravitate to it. They're they're um I guess in in um they're curious. If yeah. you just sort of like 
poke the fire for them. That's so true. One thing we always talk about, like I mentioned before, we were big on STEM teaching. And it used to be a misconception that STEM should be for a ninth grader or a tenth grader. But think about it. When is a person most curious? It's nothing like the curiosity of a, a child. All of us were our most curious and most imaginative as a, as a child. So we want to bridge that curiosity with that part. So let them grow. Let them see it. Because sometimes we think it just happens by magic. But it's so neat to see how it's grown and to build that curiosity and build that STEM learning for them. Yeah. Well, and they're going to be the ones, too, that's still going to have the imagination to see it differently or to take it and find the innovations or, or you know, whatever it may be. Because they nobody's told them it can't be that way. That's it. It's, uh, the neat yeah. thing about that, I mean, what you're saying is, is so right. The neat thing about that, sometimes in education we say, okay, here's the solution now Tell me, you know, tell me about it. What you like to do is say, okay, use a child imagination. You tell me the solution. And a solution might be sometimes so many things to imagine. It might be, oh, we can grow greens upside down in a water system. And they would give you so many type of innovations that you never even thought of. And you're like, huh. Let's figure it out. That's it. Who's Like you said, no one told them it won't work. Sometimes we can put ourselves in saying, oh, this won't work. Uh, but they don't have no yeah. self-doubt. They can be like, it can be done. It can be done. Which is yeah. kind of like what you did to me by thinking you could be a farmer. Yeah, it's crazy. What, what yeah. was your 10-year <laughs> plan prior to you digging in dirt? Actually, it was just, as you, man, the plans have changed. I used to, you know, <laughs> technology was big with it. But like I said, it still is technology, you know. And then education, we have some great educational plans we're working on. We, we're trying to open the – we do plan on opening the first uh, STEM-focused um, school in the state of Mississippi. That's going to be in Madison, in the Madison County. is in Kenton School District. But we open SR1 College Preparatory and STEM Academy. And we want to use agriculture for that. So the plan is always with education. But again, so many health disparities. We said this is perfect right here. This is perfect. This has been perfect to move. I yeah. can talk to you for hours. I feel like we'll be back right. at some point. Um, but where can we go to get more information? Again, you can call our office at 601-206-4544 or SR1, SR number one, T-E-C-H dot org. And look, we got all kind of ag. It's SR the number one, A-G dot O-R-G. I love it. All right, you guys stick with us. we got more for you up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Watch Super Talk on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, or even YouTube. You can catch Good Things Live on Ceasefire TV. If you got it, we are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which if you're into farming, you watch the weather a lot. And like Jeff in Oxford said, I could listen to the all afternoon. Me too. I always leave conversations with 
passionate farmers or agriculture and want to go dig up some dirt and plant some things and watch it all grow. And then you realize there is a lot of work sort of involved in that. But I think there's something instinctual that humans want to be part of the process of providing well, to keep them alive. I mean, we don't, we may not, we're so far removed for a couple of generations. Some of you like Rebecca, we're already planning our garden for this coming up spring, summer, or whatever it may be. What are you talking about? And if you track back on all of our family histories enough, we, we all have it. We all did it in some capacity. Every family line did. You just slowly got more far removed from it. And there is something special about connecting with where your food came. Even if it's just you grew your own little tomatoes or you got them from the lady at church or whatever, or see the stupid sticker that says grown in Mississippi, there's there's something cool about knowing where it came from. I don't know. And there's also character built when you're forced to go and <laughs> That's a lot shuck of- corn or shell peas i agree and so my mom will like my mom and dad will tell you that part of the reason it didn't get passed down to me the same way even though they had a smaller farm but that's because my granny moved my parents started gardening when my papa passed and my granny stayed the rest of her years out with us and she just demanded that as long as she's alive that there had to be something in the dirt during certain times of the year and then once she went to meet papa reunited with papa the garden went away <laughs> um, because there is a generation that looked at it as forced upon you know labor and when you realized you could go to the grocery store and pick that up but i think it's so cool with so many things the pendulum always swings it's it, that's what we do we we go in one direction full force and then whether by choice or out of rebellion and then it usually swings back or starts to swing back in some capacity. And so to me, I think it's a good thing that we're swinging a little bit more back into taking ownership of farming, urban farming, smaller farming. Uh, nothing bad, I don't think, can come from that. I just opinion. wonder if you could get a man on the street, like we need to take a microphone and go out and find some millennials and Generation Z and ask them, what do you do to get the purple off your hands? After shelling peas. Right. And then, or should should you or should you not wear gloves while picking okra and other hot peppers that are along, you know, do you or do you not? Yes, it would be funny and it would be a learning. But as Tamu was talking about, you feel like those that are going to be that next generation, at least home gardener, like with the hydroponic um, products and systems, it's not, it's still not even going to look, you know, the same. Like Granny Papa would come back and be like, you know what what the heck is going on here you know you're not even outside like you know and so but it's still the same at the end of the day you're getting the same product uh from it it's a seed that's the earth is creating and and um yeah the hydroponics is really cool to me i think it's super um space cadetty and i don't know if i'd put one in my home just yet but i would totally play with like a tabletop one to watch like a tomato grow oh yeah and they've got those now where it's like five or six different types of plants and a couple different varieties from the one that is like a a countertop version with a base and an adjustable light source that moves up and down as the plant grows or you've got the ones that are hanging baskets that don't require any dirt and it's it's fascinating to see how technology and agriculture to two different ends of the historical spectrum because agriculture is like the beginning of civilization 
It's when we stopped roaming with the herds that we were eating as hunter-gatherers and started settling down and forming villages and towns and cities. That, combined with the cutting edge of technology... Like the wheel. You wind up with a bucket that you can hang in your kitchen and grow tomatoes. Right. That's really cool. And to think back, you mentioned the wheel, but you know, Matt, that really that was a game changer in in civilization. And so are some of the other different uh, farming techniques. <laughs> I wonder if they started with anything different, like, hey, let's try a triangle. No, nope, this this ain't gonna work. Oh, or the first, like, uh, you know, well, just in any technology when it comes to agriculture, we just got a beautiful mantle that's hand-hewn. I learned that word back when men were men and trees were trees. And then after the 19th, 100th century, when they came out with better sawing equipment, you don't see much of that. <laughs> you don't see much hand-hewing on f- for fun anymore. No. Maybe it is for fun, but it's not to build your log cabin. Well, with. I mean, you had lumberjacks in the late... 1800s cutting down redwoods and it would take them two two and a half weeks per tree of just sawing all day long no wonder their house their square footage was smaller (laughs) all right stick with us we got more up next you got sports talk mississippi from three to six rondo and i'll meet you back here tomorrow at two but until then i hope you all find time for the good things Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.